Welcome to Unity of Tucson. Fundamentally, we all know an inherent truth, and when we tap into that inherent truth, through whatever method we call prayer, we change the world. We change the world. It all begins by changing ourselves through prayer. So I state that, and now I want to ask you this question. And I debated this morning, am I going to make this a rhetorical question, or do I actually open it up and see what people say? It's going to be rhetorical. <laughs> what is the purpose of prayer? I imagine this is a community of people who have adopted prayer as some part of their experience of life. I, I, I assume that because you show up here on a Sunday, we teach prayer, we engage in prayer, and my question is, just to reflect for yourself for a moment, what is the purpose of prayer for you? And how do you put it to use in your life? Do you put it to use in your life? Because I believe prayer is a very useful tool. So check in with what it is you believe about prayer, because that is the truth for you. What you believe creates your experience. So whatever it is you believe about prayer becomes the truth for you in your experience. And this is all uh, a way of introducing the theme for January, the theme as we begin a brand new year. Um, while it has not been my practice, I decided I'm going to look at, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the unity flow, and we're going to do each of the 12 powers for each of the 12 months. So we're starting with faith. We're starting with faith. Something emotional just happened to me. I don't know what that was, but maybe it was just uttering the word faith and really digging into the feeling response I have to what it is to be in faith. Now, we've all heard from Scripture, Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Anyone not heard of that? For a long time, I thought that was Emerson, and I was like, oh, no, it's not Emerson. It's, it's from Scripture. It's good. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Substance. What is substance? Let's start there. What is substance? Now, Charles Fillmore had a very specific idea of what substance was, and it is, this, this holds true across New Thought paradigms. He said this. He wrote this. The divine idea of the underlying reality of all things is substance. Did you catch that? The divine idea of the underlying reality of all things is substance. He's actually saying that what we perceive as physical matter, sorry. <laughs> what we perceive as physical matter is not in and of itself substance. What is substance is the idea behind the thing, behind the physicality. And that puts us in a place of power because when we understand that substance is the idea behind the physical, then we can actually address the substance of things hoped for. We do that through prayer. Now, hope, hope, oh, I have a love-hate relationship with the word hope. In my 
original tradition, which, of, which was before unity in uh, the other branch of new thought called religious science, Ernest Holmes said, hope is good, it's better than despair. <laughs> but, you ready? But, right? But negates everything that preceded it. So hope is good, it's better than despair, but it is an unconscious compromise. And I've had to reconcile myself with this when I look at things in Scripture that say, faith is the substance of things hoped for. So I've turned my mind around when it comes to hope, because I consider hope this, having only positive expectations. Having only positive expectations, right? What a great anagram to truly understand that hope and faith are intricately tied together because faith is expecting, expectancy. Now, what do you have faith in is the big question. Expectancy of the best or expectancy of the worst? How are you living your life? That's up to you to determine. I'm not, don't, don't yell any answers to me. So from this point of view, that faith is that divine idea behind everything that has only positive expectations behind it, I resolve firmly that this is where I begin in prayer. And that, to me, resonates as the power of prayer. Prayer. What is prayer? Now, we all understand prayer, perhaps as many of us grew up believing prayer as a beseeching or a supplication or a begging. Please, God. That's not what prayer is in this philosophy. Prayer in this philosophy is the path to a movement of conscious energy addressing directly that spiritual substance, addressing directly that spiritual divine idea that makes up all reality. Prayer is a movement of consciousness. Now, we express prayer, many of us, through words. There's a, there's a part of our organization called Silent Unity. They express through words, but also part of the practice is to be the silence. Notice I didn't say be in the silence or to be silent, but to be the silence and to find our way to the experience of, as Charles Fillmore called it, headquarters the infinite consciousness of which we are all a part, and our minds are part of that infinite consciousness. Charles Fillmore also called prayer the most highly accelerated mind action known. So there's something in that. Prayer is an active thing, unlike meditation, which for many people is a passive experience. Prayer is an active experience. Prayer, and specifically, and, and I do, when I say the words prayer, I specifically mean affirmative prayer treatment, which is, you know, words we use as jargon words in this philosophy to describe what we are talking about. Because a lot of people will hear the word prayer and their first go-to is that begging. We are not supplicating ourselves to anything outside the self. We are the infinite power and presence of divine spirit. We are the expression of God. We are of power. We are of peace. We are of joy. And as we align ourselves consciously with these ideas and these principles, we, are, we experience the flow of that as the circumstance and expression of our lives. So prayer is the time the process and the method necessary to the changing of our thought. 
It is not supplication. It is a recognition of our unity with wholeness. That there is no separation, absolutely no separation. John 15, 7 offers this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. To abide in. Now, granted, Scripture has a lot of dualistic language, so let's move past that and understand that to abide in is, is, is to accept this understanding that there is no separation. There is no God out there. To abide in me, and I'm going to actually take it another level, to abide in what I understand to be me, the mental equivalent of what it is I would like to experience, to abide in that says there is absolutely no separation. And I approach the experience of prayer with conviction from that point of view. That's what our prayer, I believe, should be infused with conviction. It should be infused with feeling because feeling is the thing that actually motivates the prayer into experience and expression. It's lovely to say pretty words, but if they are not imbued with feeling, then I believe they are devoid of faith. Now, there was, there was an interesting thing that happened when I was moving through my study, gosh, just last, well, I guess now I get to say it was just last year. So part of the study is, of course, um, I come from a religious science background. I'm hired at a unity church, and I must become ordained as a unity minister, which means going back to the Unity Worldwide Spiritual Institute, taking some additional coursework, and, you know, there's a process. One of the classes I had to take was a class on prayer and meditation. And the instructor of that class was very interesting. It was all online. So there were people from all over the, all over the world. Uh, we had people from New Zealand in this class, loved it. But there were people from all over the world. And there were four of us in that class who were Centers for Spiritual Living Ministers becoming Unity Ministers. And... The instructor of this course knew that. And there was an interesting thing that this particular uh, instructor said. Uh, they started the class by saying, to all of you who are traditionally unity people, we have several centers for spiritual living ministers who are in this class, and I would like you all to know that when you hear them pray, you are going to be moved. And I thought, that's an odd way to start the class because it's now downplaying your form of prayer. I was like, why? Why is that? Why would you do that? And I didn't ask her the question in the moment. But part of it was I had to start looking at the alignment of how prayer is taught. And, you know, each, each, each part of the New Thought paradigm teaches prayer in five steps. And I thought, well, is there inherently something more valuable in that side of the equation than in that side of the equation? And what I thought was, no. But what we are here as Centers for Spiritual Living Ministers in this particular course to teach as a community is that conviction and feeling is the thing that will activate the prayer work we do. And that's what she was trying to get at, to say we should all root ourselves in the conviction and the feeling. Now, to know that there is no separation between ourselves and the inherent divine power to allow God to be personal is a powerful place to start. 
it's a powerful place to start. How do we personalize God, this greatness on demand? I love to call God greatness on demand because fundamentally, isn't that what it is? It is that interactivity right here that is saying, yes, there is that within you that wants to express as greatness. So you are, each and every one of us is, greatness on demand. So how do we personalize God? We let go of any notion that God is not personal. We let go of any notion of separation. We let go, and we adopt the understanding that we are the personal nature of God. So you do, do you desire a personal relationship with God? Find a deeper and more strengthened personal relationship with yourself. That's how you find it. Because that inherent motivating energy that is at the core of you is God. That's what God is. It is not something out there. So fine, strengthen that personal relationship with yourself and you know what? With others too, because everyone is this power. Everyone is this presence. Everyone is this source. That's what I hold to be true in my heart. And from that, I get to choose loving kindness. What happens when I choose loving kindness? Every day, in every way, I experience loving kindness reflected back to me every day and in every way. If happiness is what you seek, and many of us do seek happiness, remember that it is not derived from out there. It is not derived from out there. We cannot contract the infinite We cannot distill the infinite thinking we can grab onto it to be happy. Our work is to expand the finite with this understanding that that which is inherent within, the inherent happiness within, is reflected in that which is out there. And that's how we experience happiness. Live according to that which is inherent. Children know this instinctively. Have you ever seen children play? Children know this instinctively, and we raise them with the bombardment of messages that say, you're not happy. You are less than. And if you think that that's not true, first of all, I'm not saying that parents do this, but I'm saying our society tells us all, all the reasons why we should be unhappy. It's called advertising. And the degree to which we accept these ideas that we should not be happy, you know what ends up happening? We stop being happy. But advertising is also telling us you can derive happiness from out there, and it's absolutely not true. Know who you are. The core of you is infinite happiness. And that, when we accept that and allow that to flow forth, ah, life is magnificent. Um, I have a couple of times gone to Guatemala to volunteer at a boarding school um, for children who live in the rainforest, in the jungles. And and part of what I love about this school is the only way to get there is by boat. Super fun. You know, you wake up and you have your breakfast and then you go get on the boat and you you boat to the school. Well, one of the things is, you know, these Guatemalan children at this boarding school, they have electricity about two hours of the day. Their school has electricity about two hours of the day. Otherwise, they have no electricity. They have limited running water. They have 
just about enough of what you would need to just get by, and many of us would look at that and say it was a situation that was not something we would want to live in. But what I, just, what I, what I really observed in these children is that as they experienced life, they had not been told by anything from the outside that they were less than. They were not told by anything from the outside that there was any reason to be unhappy. There was not anything from the outside that said you are living in poverty. And so they knew nothing of those things. They only knew joy and happiness, and they expressed it in every fiber of their being. When we live in the expectation that our inherent happiness is reflected back to us, we experience that. Those are the happiest children I have ever seen in my life. Prayer is a path that we can use to remove the obstructions that have been adopted within us and allow our inherent good nature, that inherent good nature, to unfold in our experience. And this requires faith, conviction, an attitude so inwardly embodied that nothing can shake us from it. That's what faith is. That inner attitude that says, yes, I know who I am, and nothing out there can pull me off course of that understanding. So let us boldly move in that direction today. A kindergarten teacher was observing her classroom of children while they drew. They were drawing pictures. And she would occasionally walk around to see the children's artwork. And as she got to one little girl who was working diligently, she asked what the drawing was. And the little girl replied, I'm drawing God. And the teacher paused and said, but no one knows what God looks like. Without missing a beat or looking up from her drawing, the girl replied, they will in a minute. (laughs) That is an expression of personalizing the infinite, to know so deeply the truth of your being that you cannot help but express that. That's faith. We are here as the personalization of the infinite. The power of prayer is in the realization of that fundamental truth that we teach, I believe. What do you believe? Let your work be wholly infused with that understanding. Peace and blessings to you. You are magnificent. This week, the homework is this. Pay special attention to the manner in which you pray. Just check in. Don't beat yourself up if you find something that you feel is not right. It's not about that. But pay attention to the manner in which you pray and check in to see if there is any sense of separation. Is there any sense of doubt? Is there any sense that the words have to be just right? Check in with what feeling you are infusing in your prayer work. That's the homework this week. And just see what happens. When you become aware of it, you get to then make decisions about it. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. 
Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.